Lovely listeners, um, no one's here but me. No one at all. Excuse me. Ah, hi, Alex. We're back. Excuse me. I thought I'd spice things up a bit to start. With By that. trying to piss me off? Yeah. Pretending I'm not here? Yes, even though you're on my computer screen, I see you. You've got headphones on, you've got glasses, you've got a Raptor shirt. Yes, I do. Talk about descriptive writing, descriptive podcasting, descriptive radio. But Alex, we're back. A lot of stuff been going around the NHL. We have some contract extensions to happen. We have a big trade, lots of injuries, uh, including Columbus, because, you know, of course, that's part of their identity now. Uh, Shea Weber for the Habs, Connor McDavid, and, you know, how he seems to be he doesn't trust the Oilers and he's going to Canada instead. Sorry, when he's going to Toronto with his own people, which well, that's something else to talk about, Alex. But anyway, I think we should start the power hour, of course, because that how is we start the show by, uh, of course, wishing Jay Bomingster and his family the best. Of course, he collapsed during the game between the Ducks and the Blues last night. Uh, did you see the video of it on the bench? Uh, yeah, I saw it this morning. It was quite scary. Mm, of course, their game has been canceled, and they'll, they'll figure out the scheduling a little later. But uh, credit to the medical staff for the Ducks and just everyone involved. You see right away all the Blues saying to come over, checked out right away. And, of course, I believe now he's in a stable condition. Doug Armstrong did give an update on it. Of course, yeah. it's harsh because it was a father's road trip, so his dad was there. So our best wishes to Jay Bomeister and his family. Yes, of course. Uh, but moving on, Alex, we do have some good news. We are a hockey podcast, but I think it would be a bit rough if we did mention the Toronto Raptors. Yeah. 15 straight W's for a team that 15 ESPN, games. That ESPN did not have in the top 10. Now, 15 which, games. Which is now a record for the longest win streak by a Canadian-based professional sports team. They beat the Calgary Stampeders. Oh, great. no. <laughs> I didn't know that at one point the Sens had an 11-game winning streak. The Blue Jays and the Habs had one. The Habs also had a 12-game win streak. That was probably in the 70s. Can I just tell you, they have had the quietest 15-game stretch. Ever. Oh, of course. No, I don't think any, like, obviously here in Canada, everyone's talking about it. You know, everyone on sport, everyone at Sportsnet, everyone at TSN who does basketball, obviously covering it. I barely see anything coming out of the U.S. talking about the Raptors. And if it is about the Raptors, it's a, I saw a video came out yesterday. It, and, and they were talking about the Raptors, but it, the the um, headline was, would Kawhi have a better chance in Toronto? Like, man, just let the, let the Raptors be the Raptors. Just like, I get it. They're from Canada. I understand. No, man. No, Philly in six. That's Golden fine. State in three. 
I'm just saying that I, I, I really do think, and apparently for All-Star, has the NBA All-Star game, it hasn't happened, right? No, it's this weekend. So who's going to be there for the Raptors? Nick Nurse will, of course, be the, the, Ky- the, coach. the coach. Kyle Lowry and Pascal Siakam. And I think I saw a tweet that all of them are going to be alone with Giannis Antetokounmpo. Exactly. Toronto. If he, I will start caring about basketball. I may become a Raptors fan if they get onto the Kuma. So what you're saying is you're gonna hop on the bandwagon? Yeah, I will. Okay. I, I said it. Remember when I think JD Bunkus on on a good show once brought it up, and from there I've been I've been on board, on board. JD Bunkus is slowly becoming one of my favorite people <clears throat> in industry. But anyway, Alex, we talked about Nick Nurse. Let's talk about Darnell Nurse. Uh, no relation between these people. Well, but of course, Edmonton Oilers, defenseman, Darnell Nurse. <laughs> you thought that was funny. Hey, a two-year contract extension at $5.6 million is the A. Yeah. All salary in that, no signing bonuses, no performance bonuses, of course. What are your thoughts on this? Because I, for one, thought that it was going to be, if he was going to look for something, it was going to be a much bigger deal considering he's just coming off a bridge. But Right. I don't see much problem in this deal. Uh, there are obviously the comments came out after that he does want to stay in Edmonton and he wants to sign a long-term deal after um, after this deal and after Edmonton get, get out of cap issues. So by the time Darnell Nurse becomes a UFA, because after this deal he will be a UFA, uh, Russell, uh, Chris Russell, his $4 million will come off the books. Uh, Chason will come off the books the year before. That's $2.15. And Miko Koskinen's four and a half will come off the book, come off the books that same year. Uh, they also are going to have to re-sign Ryan Nugent Hopkins uh, if they decide to do so. I, I'd imagine they will. And Adam Larson, I don't my thing is I don't think they bring back Adam Larson. But so they have to re-sign Nuja Hopkins and Darnell Nurse. I have no problem with this extension. You know, I get it's two years. He's taking another. He's ta- obviously taking a pay raise, five point six million. He, I, I'd argue, this year he's probably been their best defenseman, if not their second best. Of course, and he's on that Ethan Bear pairing that people just love to clamor on about. But another Oilers extension. Joachim Nygaard, a real teammate, is taking a pay cut, originally making $925,000, is now making $875,000. So let's it, be honest, if Connor McDavid didn't take all the money, Joachim Nygaard wouldn't have to take it. Yeah, pay. sure. I mean, listen, it's one of those small, small end deals. Uh, nothing really much to say. Like, he's a, he's a, he's a depth guy. He's... I'm not, he's a piece to have. There's not a whole lot to say on that one. A cheap, undrafted winger from Sweden. Exactly. Who exactly. is probably someone that you could put on McDavid's wing and get 20 goals and not have to give him a four-year contract like Zach Cassian. But anyway, this is or, the Or Jason. Or Chason, yeah, that was a dumb deal too. At least it was one year, Alex. We'll talk about another contract extension. Of course, we don't know the details because we we're never gonna find out. But Pierre LeBrun, my boy, has apparently re-signed with TSN. Monumental. He's French. 
athletic guy too, as in for the athletic and new standard in sports journalism, of course. He's the guy, whenever Adday asks do their broadcast of the Habs game, it's always good old Pierre LeBron. He's an insider, a nice guy. Isn't afraid to give it a, um, give Friedman crap on Twitter about him doing a bad job in fantasy hockey. And it's an insider that, you know, it shows how good things are going with Bell that they now have extended him and Bob McKenzie as opposed to maybe other companies who have had to make some cuts in the past year. Yeah. Uh, speaking of extensions... Now, I know we didn't put this in the notes, but it happened uh, a couple hours ago. Paul Maurice, multi-year extension for the Winnipeg Jets. Well-deserved, in my opinion. I mean, you know, it's been a bumpy road, I think, this year, uh, especially with Dustin Bufflin out. But between him and Connor Hellebuck, like, come on. Did you see there was something in 31 Thoughts? I can't, it was some sort of deal where Kyle Connor was going. Bowen Byram. For yeah. Bowen Byram. Why would the Jets. And like Friedman said he was hearing that. So you know when Friedman put something like that in 31 Thoughts, there's some, there's some meat to it. Now, when the Buffalo situation first happened, me and you talked about the possibility of either one of Kyle Connor or Patrick Liney being dealt for the possibility of a defenseman. But I've changed my, my stance on that because I see it the same situation as William Nylander. As me and you are someone who think we're people that think you don't trade William. He's too big an asset. Would you still think that the Jets need to move one of those forwards? A Nick Ehlers, a Patrick Line, Kyle Connor to address their issue on the back end? Now that it looks like Dustin Bufflin for sure is on his way out. Well, well, what are you getting, right? Uh, you know, you bring in someone like Boehm Byram. You know, f- uh, potentially f- a franchise-changing defenseman right there. Uh, I know he. I believe he's left-handed, but still, that's someone to have on your on your decor. And listen, Kyle Connor's secretly having a career year, and no one is talking about it. No one is talking about Kyle Connor. He's had a yeah, absolutely. Fantastic year has Kyle Connor. He's probably, I think, he has 20 goals, 59 and 58 as you were, you know, point per game. It yeah, is a, and he, he's a Michigan guy too. So I wonder, and I know, it, you know, it's not the direction they're going in. Well, you know, I was going to make some sort of connection to Detroit, but no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to try and throw those things into Iserman's waters here. But Alex, if they make a deal like that, because Byron Byram is obviously still playing in the WHL, but does that instantly say if they make that move that the Jets are done for this year? They're tapping out. We've already seen Minnesota probably be the first team to say, all right, we're tapping out this season, but is this a sign that maybe Winnipeg looks at their situation and says, all right, we're throwing in. I mean, you know, they have a deep team somewhat not maybe not in the back end i'd say their situation uh similar ish to toronto in that you know they have a uh, they have a good team up front where Mm. the team has been lacking all year is the back end uh you know without bufflin you know you got rid of truba you uh myers walked to free agency ben chirot walked to free agency is giving I, and yes, Kyle Connor is putting up again uh, career numbers. I yeah, 
potentially that could mean that could mean they're kind of backing out for this season. But like other teams, what does that mean? You know, you have Connor Hellebuck who's on fight, like who's been on fire for a, a whole lot of the season. What, what does that like? Okay, we're we're not going to make the playoffs this year, but you're going to finish fifteenth. Like you're going to get the fifteenth overall pick. Sorry, right? But you get Bo and Byram. Yeah, I I I wonder if it's a reset for them because maybe because Bo and Byram is I believe nineteen years old, so there's no guarantee that he's going to come in and instantly make an impact. Now, I mean, of course, you have young defensemen like Quinton Hughes and, and Kale McCarr that may give you a different expectation for that, but those guys are those guys are probably going to be elite. They are elite defensemen, and they're going to be making a lot of money very, very soon, <laughs> Norris trophies and all that. So, I mean, I guess it, it does make sense a little bit from a Winnipeg perspective, if if that's the route they want to go, but I think this deal really doesn't make sense for a Colorado ex- perspective. From Colorado's perspective, just because that's seven million dollars against the cap for seven or uh, six more years, is that something they want to commit moving forward? Considering. Uh, the deals, and I know they have a whole ton of cap space, but they're going to have to re-sign Gabriel Landeskog, uh, at, who's at 5.5 right now uh, in two years. McKinnon's up in four years, right? It, it, you have to, and you're going to have to re-sign Gail McCarr in two years. What what's the move there? And how about your goaltending situation? What do you and What's what are you doing moving forward? There is Grubauer and Francis your option moving forward. Well, Alex, I I wouldn't be that concerned about their cap situation because remember, Nathan McKinnon's going to take less again. Is he going to take six point three for eight years? I don't know, but I what's mean, what's less? Are, what's going to be less in four years? Well, like twelve we million dollars. We are going a bit far down the rabbit hole here on the Power Hour, but I, I think definitely I, I want to park it there. If we want to revisit Winnipeg and Colorado, Colorado especially because um, you know while we're here, honestly, sorry Alex, let's talk about because we have had a lot of injuries and Colorado. Yes, they have some big deals coming up, but they've got again some pretty nice deals, especially with Nazem Kadri, who unfortunately. Is out. He's been placed on IR. He's out for it. Will seem like he'll miss some time now. So maybe yeah, it, look at and they were linked to Taylor Hall. So they definitely want to add a forward. So I wouldn't be surprised. I so I was thinking about this. What what do they do? You know, obviously I think they were in on Taylor Hall beforehand. Obviously not an option anymore. Do they go for another forward? Obviously, yes. I don't think they're going to touch their decor. I don't think they want to go touch their goaltending situation right now. You look at who's out on the market. You have, you have obviously you have Kreider into Foley. Kreider's apparently talking to New York, so that's that deal might not even end up happening for Chris Kreider. What about Thomas Tatar? See, oh, th- this is interesting. That's very interesting because 
Of course, the Zuger trade, if you look at that return, and we're going to get into that a lot later, maybe it, it puts up an incentive. And especially with Weber gone, I think the season is a much different look. I was going to suggest that maybe, yes, they didn't land Hall originally, but maybe they still can. I if don't Arizona, think so. Because Darcy Kemper was about to be healthy, and then he hurt himself in practice. He was supposed to start against the Habs the other day. So, depending on if Kemper is out long enough, maybe Taylor Hall gets swapped again in Colorado say hello there. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think they want to try and re-sign Taylor Hall. You know, And I know they didn't give up a whole lot. When the deal first came out, we heavily criticized New Jersey um, for what they actually got for Taylor Hall. But they gave up assets, right? At the end of the day, they gave up three... Uh, well, two prospects, uh, Nick Merkley, uh, I don't know if you still consider him a prospect, and a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't give that up and not and, and at least not go and try to re-sign him. I can't imagine Taylor Hall is going to sign an extension mid-year, obviously. I don't think that's the case. That's the way that Darren Ferris wants to go uh, with his client. But I do think... And and Hall himself has not been shy about wanting to go to free agency. Right. So I don't think that is the case moving forward with Taylor Hall being moved again. Mm -hmm. Well, Alex, we're talking about Colorado and their connections and trades. Maybe some dip business to the Winnipeg Jets. Captained by Scott Wheeler. I mean, dang it. No, I was going to do something there. No, Blake Wheeler, not Scott Wheeler. But since I messed it up, Alex... Blake, sorry, god dang it, oh my god, Scott Wheeler of The Athletic has just finished ranking the um, prospects, farm systems of all 31 NHL teams. Of course, the top of that list was the Montreal Canadiens and number two, the LA Kings at number one. And I'm not going to lie, Alex, I was a little hot when I saw the Habs second, but then I read everything he had to say, and I agreed with it. I'm okay with it, still better than 29 other teams. 30 other teams are. No, 29. That's right. But hey, the Habs are in a good position. Jordan Harris, Habs prospect, scored to get a three-peat for the Huskies in the Beanpot. So. I saw that. I did see that last night. Also part of Team USA for the World Juniors was Jordan Harris, so the Habs are looking good. But yeah, Scott Wheeler, noted Habs fan. <laughs> As a joke, he was the guy who said the Habs are never going to score five goals last season. But yeah. How dare he? Did you pay attention to his series of the farm articles? Farm. I'm not gonna lie. I did. I only read the Leafs one. Yeah. Where were they? Like 19th or something, or 15th? Uh, no. I think closer to 20. Okay. Probably because everything's just been ripped apart from the Marlies. Yeah. Pretty much. Everything's up on the Leafs right now. Now, Alex. We talk about farm teams. Well, the Columbus Blue Jackets have half their farm team playing for them. Seth Jones is out indefinitely. Earlier today, we found out Cam Atkinson will be out for another two to three weeks with a sprained ankle, I believe it was. The Columbus Blue Jackets continue to be riddled by injuries. But I want to ask you, does it really matter to them? No. <laughs> no. They're still gonna make the and and they're still gonna make the playoffs. You think you're calling it? Uh, yeah. You want me to read you the numbers? I, of a certain goaltender. 
listen, listen, listen. Yeah, go ahead. I'll tell you this, what I think after. This is Elvis Bruce Lincoln's, of course, the hero that we all deserve. 12 wins, 7 losses, 5 t- ties. That, that should say overtime losses. Sorry. He has a 930 save percentage, a 2.19 goals against average. Wow. It's a miracle what good goaltending does to a team. And Jonas Corpusalo is still out, correct? Um, I believe he is, because he is. I will double check, but he's only played thirty-two games on the season, so I will I will check his last five games to double check that. You know what the thing is with with Columbus is I go back to last year. I look at what Yarmo Kekalainen did, and sure, you know they they had Bobrovsky and Panarin, who they weren't going to trade. They're not in that situation right now, but they've done so well uh, considering the whole length of injuries they've had. I wouldn't be surprised if Kekalainen went out there again to bring someone in, and I don't know if if he goes out there and makes the big, the trades for a Kreider or for, for a Toffoli, but there's players out there he can definitely go acquire, whether it be rentals or whether it be hockey trades. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if Jarmo Kekalainen is a little bit active at uh, this year's trade deadline. Another team to keep your eye out for to see if they're going to be active, whether they be buyers or sellers is the Calgary Flames. Now, they have lost Mark Giordano. They have just lost Travis Hamannick as well since their humiliating defeat against the Edmonton Oilers a few weeks back. It has not been going well for Calgary. What no. are you doing? Are they going to be buyers? Are they going to sell off? Is the season done for the Flames? Because they've tried to make the moves, the Jason Zucker, Nazem Kadri, but no one wanted to go there. And now they've lost their captain, and probably, if even if they were going to sell off a defenseman, that could have brought them in a, a pretty penny. Now, so Giordano's out week to week, which, like we say, is n- isn't good to hear. Uh, how long is Travis Hamannick out for? Same same amount of time. I will check now. And by the way, Jonas Corposalo is still hurt, and uh, it looks like. It, uh, I just seen he's on. I'm um, so I'll find the Hamannick stuff, but I'm. I don't think they're sellers. I I think they they go. I think Brad for living. If the if the play they don't make the playoffs this year, it does not look good for Brad for living. I don't think that necessarily means he's going to get fired. Um, you know they had him. They had an. I'll call it an interesting season. Obviously, first with TJ Brody. Uh, at practice, which I can't imagine being a, a Flames player after that. Uh, obviously, you have the Bill Peters incident, uh, which dragged on. And obviously, you had Jeff Ward coming in and starting, what was it, like 8-0? and I think um, it was their seven games. And uh, there was no update how long he ex- um, Hamlet's exactly out. He's just listed okay. as week to week. Uh, sorry, um, he's, been ba- he's just flown back to Calgary to be evaluated. Okay. I think, you know, obviously some of their star players have not had the greatest season seasons um, in John and uh, you said it in Johnny Goudreau, especially 
I think if they're going to make a move, which is weird, which I think what I'm about to say is quite funny because I was actually talking about get trading one of their defensemen. I think they look at bringing in a defenseman. Um, a rental defenseman. Because you look at the team moving forward, uh, you got, they got to decide what they're going to do with TJ Brody and what they're going to do with Travis Hamanick. I think now that you re-signed Rasmus Anderson for that length of time, not necessarily sure you bring back both of them. Um, because I just don't think that the money money is necessarily there for that, for all of that. But that being said, what defensemen are out there? Because all we've been talking about is TJ Brody or Travis Hamanick. Well, Alex, how about we revisit the two-on-one podcast trade board? Oh, good. I have it in front of me, Alex. And some of the defensemen, I'll just list you some off here, and then you digest them, tell me what you think, of course. First, looking at, I believe this is your list first, some of the defensemen you had up there, of course. Tyler Toffoli of the that's LA not de- Sorry, That's I mean, not Alex defenseman. Martinez. Alex Martinez, sorry. Sorry, I, Martinez. Uh, Sammy Vatnin, of course, of the New Jersey Devils. Possibly Jeff Petrie of the Montreal Canadiens, even though I think that's less likely. Um, Zach Bogosian or anyone from Buffalo. Looking at um, my list as well, I, um, Eric Gustafson, possibly. Um, those kind of guys. I have to take Jason Zucker off my list, by the way. But yeah, I think... From, from those players that you listed, I, I think the names that stand out to me the most would be Martinez and Vatnin. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, Petrie doesn't seem as likely. I don't think Bogosian is the type of player that you'd think of adding. Uh, just because, you know, they're looking for someone who can make an impact. At this point, you've lost two impact defensemen in ha- Hamannick and in Mark Giordano. You know, looking at Martinez... Martinez seems like a good option. You know, he can play on both sides. He can play. He's played on the right side before. Uh, same. Well, I mean, same goes with Vatanen. This year, he's playing on the left. He's played on the left a little bit. I think both those guys are options. Depends on the cost. Depends on the cost. And you know, the Kings are going to be in any in a, any rush to help out the Calgary Flames. Not at all. But staying in Alberta, though, Connor McDavid is now going to be out two to three weeks with a quad injury, is all Mr. Ken Holland decided to tell us. Well, apparently it's not related to his knee injury. So that's good. Oh, fantastic for Oilers fans. But at the same time, they've got some key games. Um, coming up, of course, McDavid has now returned to Toronto to go with his people. Of course, the group that helped him through his, you know, whatever it takes documentary injury that that was about to keep him out for the entirety of this season. But if I'm an Oilers fan, I don't care if it's not related. I am absolutely terrified. Right. Right. If we, that... I'll get the Oilers schedule up just so we can look at what they're going to miss him for, Alex. But. Well, that's it, it's about two to three weeks. That's the expected time. Uh, that's what I believe Holland said is around the normal time for an injury like that. I would be absolutely terrified 
you know, and and last night, I'm not sure who they played. I can't remember off the top of my head. All I know is that Leon Dreisaitl got four points. So, you know, I'm t- obviously I'm terrified that McDavid is not there because it's Connor McDavid. Like, I don't even need to say more. As soon as I say you're missing Connor McDavid, that would be something I would be worried about. But they still have Leon Dreisaitl, you know. They still have Kyler, Kyler Yamamoto, who has been pr- pretty decent since his second call-up. You look at how they're playing with Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Man, I, I, I don't think there's much to complain about here. Now, do I think now that we're at this point, does Ken Holland look at making some type of addition? Um, I believe he was interested in Thomas Sitar. I could be wrong about that. There yes? was interest, yes. Does he go revisit that? I, I know we talked about before that they're in a little bit of a cap. It ca- have cap issues uh, depending on the route Montreal take for their future. You know, you can get extra assets for taking uh, a contract problem. You but know, have, all the. Have- Cap space, regardless, to retain half the salary. Pardon? The Habs will have the room to take the salary, no matter what. Probably. No, I'm not saying I'm not saying retain salary, but to get rid of a contract, you can get extra assets for that. Right. I just ask what they're going to give up, though. I mean, the Oilers, because they're they're not going to give up their first to get any help. They don't want to touch their defense, which makes sense. You know, like if, if anyone calls me about Philip Broberg or Evan Bouchard, I'm saying, yeah, piss off. But And apparently they don't want to give up Pulley Harvey for a rental. Well, that's kind no, of no. all the assets your team has. That All the way, that info there was all from 31 Thoughts. God bless Elliot Friedman. Yeah, I guess. To talk, see, the thing is, you know, I look at Kreider, I look, I mean, Kreider would look good on that team, obviously. And, and when McDavid comes back, that's another winger that can play with McDavid, which seems to have been the problem forever. You know, first he has Alex Chason, Alex Chason, sure, puts up career numbers, but he's playing with Connor McDavid. Imagine if he had like an established, even top six guy, not even a first line guy. This year at Zach Hassian, why don't you give someone him someone who can actually play? So they should definitely look at bringing in someone. Maybe Tatar isn't the option. Maybe it's Toffoli or Kreider. Someone to come in. To, to I don't even know. Like it's not even for now. I feel like we've been talking about bringing in another winger for McDavid since the beginning of the season. When there was that massive waiver wire and there was all these wingers and no one claimed any of them. And, and I didn't understand why Edmonton didn't even try. This is something they should have probably done from the beginning of the season in bringing in another winger. I think now that you've lost McDavid further, even though it's two to three weeks, you know, this stretch of games, how many ever games they're playing – because the Pacific is so wishy-washy right now in the, in ta- terms of you can be first place in the Pacific and next week you can be in a wild card spot, you have to bring in some type of help. You know, bringing up, uh, bringing up t- 
Tyler Benson. Yeah, sure, Tyler Benson had a, a good few games where he's up here, but that's not going to change when Connor McDavid comes back, right? It's, that's not going to be a game changer. You want to bring in some type of game changer. It's also what you can argue are the two most important weeks of the season. He'll probably won't be back, and if unless he pushes it, which you know McDavid will, he's probably going to be gone past the trade deadline. And that's when the general manager has to decide where their season is going. I think if I'm Ken Holland, though, I'm at a point where I'm going to pull up the standings. But I think we're past the point of what their season is. I think they're going to be pushing for a playoff spot. Right? They they sit. Right now, they're second in the division, a point behind Vancouver, and a game in hand. They're so real that, jerks by the Canucks. They're such why? jerks. Why? Because they're playing well. Oh, yeah. Um, so that one game in hand, if they win, they're now a point ahead of Vancouver. Right? So all the games moving forward matter. And wouldn't it be nice to have Connor McDavid back? And, oh, you know, you have Chris Kreider on his left wing, or, you know, you have Tyler Toffoli on his right wouldn't that be nice? Having forward depth at all would be nice for the Oilers. I am at tertiary hey, scoring. You, tertiary scoring. You want to bring in Jean Gabriel Pajot? Man, you could throw him on the wing. People have been mentioning that as a possibility. They really have been. He'll play your. They got to do something. You can bring Nuge wherever you want to put him. Alex, forgive me. Um, my Mac is having a bit of a. My Mac is dying on me. Um, so all the tabs I had open are kind of stopped working. That's okay. So, so we're, I'm on the fly here, but let me ask you, Alex, what is your read of the bye week? It is from Sportsnet. It's uh, from Sonny Shadeva, and it's about the Sedin twins. Class acts. Yeah. You know, obviously this week, I think tonight, actually. Yes, uh, they're getting their numbers retired. This week has kind of been like their legacy week in Vancouver. So, gotta pick the the Sedin twins for my read of the bye week. Well, Alex, mine is the from Arpen Basu of the Athletic. I remember it, even though it's currently not working on my computer. Uh, the Canadians' top three prospects, all different paths to success. Now, Alex, there's a lot going on around the league, and I'm going to try and stall here as I get all the exact information up. But the Pittsburgh Penguins have acquired a top six winger. And hopefully they, have. they will not trade this one in two more years to get another top six winger. But Alex Galchenyuk, along with a conditional first-round pick and defensive prospect Kalen Addison who you may recognize from the World Juniors, ladies and gentlemen, has been traded to the Minnesota Wild in exchange for Jason Zucker. Yes. I, Alex, I've been back and forth on this trade. Do I think that Pittsburgh gave up a lot? By the way, the condition on the pick is if the Penguins miss the playoffs, they can choose to push the first-round pick back to next year. But at the same time, I think, all right, so... The big names available this year, 
Kreider, a year left. Pajot, a year left. Toffoli, two years. I look at Jason Zucker. He has the term that no one else has. He's fast, can average you 25 goals. Is probably going to be fired up. He's finally out of Minnesota. And the Penguins have been running for years, not needing picks or prospects, instead just throwing them away and getting these players. So, Alex, I don't know if you agree with me here, but what are your initial reactions to this deal for the Pittsburgh Penguins? I think, well, I remember it was uh, Monday night. Uh, I don't remember who reported it first or who I saw it from first. But we were sitting, Bob McKenzie, we were sitting next to each other in class, and Jason Zucker just got traded. You 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 did the thing where you just like you very excitedly tapped me on the shoulder a bunch and tapped your and then you turned your computer to and me. I pointed. I couldn't talk because we were in class. We had a guest lecture. But I whispered to you. I said, "Man, that seems like a lot for Jason Zucker." Right? You know, obviously the the first round picks going to be in the high 20s, I assume based on how Pittsburgh does. Kalen Addison seems like a good prospect. Uh, I, I, assume, I think top four based on what I've been reading. Um, and then you have, Al, obviously, Alex Galchenyuk. God bless him. Then I kind of looked into this deal. I said, okay, what, what are they getting out of Jason Zucker? Damn, I'm pretty sure he's exactly what they needed. They, and what's that? And that's a player who can play alongside Cindy Crosby, who has term. This is what? Sorry, no, I I was going to say it isn't, you know, Chris Kunitz. Right. Like, this is a legitimate top six winger. Um, Apparent he was he was happy in Minnesota last year. We know that um, who was the GM? Why isn't the name coming Paul, to my head? Paul Fenton. Paul Fenton. Paul Fenton, pretty much, it felt like he wanted him out. Um, pretty fine. much was, he was on the trade market. Like, he's been on the trade block, I, I, it feels like, since Paul Fenton was there. It's the third time he's been traded. He vetoed, he vetoed the Calgary trade. He got, Phil Castle vetoed the original trade. Imagine that trade. I oh, bet okay. I wonder I wonder if I'm the Minnesota Wild and I'm um Bill Guerin right now, I am ecstatic that Phil Kessel vetoed that trade. Because then you don't take Jack Johnson's deal. And now you get yeah. Kayla. Right. So so it's exactly what the team needs. I think from both even it, it makes sense both ways. For Pittsburgh, you know, you you still have Crosby and Malkin, and both of us know that if Jim Rutherford still has Crosby and Malkin, he will always go for the cup. Not only is it for this year, it is for the next three years because he has three years left at $5.5 million, and he's still 28 years old. So when this deal's over, he's going to be 31. Which is perfect range. It's not the, like you don't have some scrub. Like I'm sorry to say this about oh, she should be a Hall of Famer, and I and I can't believe and Chris Kunitz, but you you know it's not like a guy like Phil Castle who you know 
doesn't have the best reputation of being a two-way player that particularly tries hard. But, like, Jason Zucker is a damn player. Right. And it, and imagine, sorry, imagine when next season, let's forget about this season, you have Crosby, um, Zucker, Malkin, Hornquist, and Jake Gensel, Nick Bugstadt's going to be back. Uh, Dominic, Dominic Cahoon's going to be better. Brian Rust is still there. I mean, sure, their defense is going to be uh, tweaked a little, tweaked a little bit more than usual. Uh, you know, with Justin Schultz expiring, other play, you don't know what's going to happen. Uh, you know, you have Jack Johnson, et cetera, et cetera. But this team, and you have Matt Murray and Tristan Zari, who are both RFAs. Okay, I'm not re-signing Matt Murray. Here, let's go get some assets. Exactly. Now, it's shall like, we shift gears? Sorry, just because I, I really want to. I want to park it there, as Jeff Merrick would say. I want to look at this from Minnesota's point of view a bit more, because okay, I because first of all, Bill Guerin's quote was, I believe I'm paraphrasing here because I can't remember. I did have it in front of me, but you know, I have it. If there's okay. quit, there will be more trades. He's already outperformed good old Paul Fenton. You know what? You know what I have to say is if Bill Guerin was, I don't know why he wasn't, wasn't general manager July 1st. And I love Matt Zuccarello. I love him. Matt Zuccarello is not a Minnesota Wild. No. And that deal is just another thing of them getting older. I just realized this because I saw something that was like when Bill Guerin saw Kalen Addison, he said, did you miss me? Because I forgot. Bill Guerin was the assistant in Pittsburgh until like immediately getting hired in Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, you know the thing with this team is though we've had this discussion countless times on and off the podcast. This team isn't good enough to make a playoff run, but it's not bad enough to finish bottom 5. Yes, that's the problem with this team, and Paul Fenton going out and bringing in Matt Zuccarello never made sense to me. I still don't really understand the Jared Spurgeon deal. Uh, that I believed was signed by Bill Guerin. I don't fully understand it, but you know I can live with it. Definitely live with that deal. But man, if they want to do a rebuild. They have prospects and uh, not prospects. They have players who they can trade for prospects and picks. This also gives Alex Galchenyuk one last shot to try and prove he's still a player in this league. And yeah. damn, I'm rooting for him. I really am. You know, this could turn out to be a whole lot. And hear me out here because I sent you this text last night. Mm-hmm. This could this trade could turn out to be a whole lot very similar to the Max Pacioretty trade. And okay, uh, let's take a look at what 
You got what did Montreal get for Max Pacioretty? You got Nick Suzuki, pick Thomas Tatar, and Nick Suzuki for right. was like fifteen percent retained salary for Max Pacioretty. So you have the second round pick and Nick Suzuki, which I would argue first round pick Kalen Addison. Right there's the comparison right there. Nick Suzuki, uh, Kalen Addison. Not, I don't think is as good. I, I definitely think you would agree with me. Not as good as Nick Suzuki, the second and the first kind of, Adi, like even each other out there. Then you have Thomas Tatar and Alex Galchenyuk. Now, I know now it's a little bit different because Thomas Tatar looks amazing and can get you a whole lot. But at the time, Thomas Tatar was a was a throw-in. Yes. Salary throw-in, which is exactly what Alex Galchenyuk is in this deal. I'm just pointing out that it looks very similar to the Pacioretty trade. Now, I think we should point out, though, that they, like Gerard Gallant, as much as we love him, just did not use Tomas Tatar properly. He is always money in the bank for 20 Of goals. course. Of course. <laughs> I'm just arguing that Oh yeah, there's definitely at the time he was a throw-in. Yeah, for sure. There, there. I do see the similarities there, and the thing about Alex Galchenyuk is, I was at the Bell Center when he scored his thirtieth goal of that season. It was the last home game of the year, and it was so great to see this guy. You know, third overall pick finally seemed to arrive. It was a rough year for Montreal. Maybe next year he comes back and everything's finally gonna work his way. And now you see. I believe they talked about this to Hockey Central Noon that he is one of the, I don't know, I can't remember who was the first player or who he's one of the few who are a player that has played in every single division. And has he? Yes. Because Montreal Atlantic, Pittsburgh yeah. Metro, Central okay. Division he played for. He's now in the Minnesota Wild. In Pacific Division, he was a Coyote. Oh, my God. So I forgot about that. And he's only now, I believe this would be his first year as a UFA, or is going to be. So there you go. At 26, he's played with all these teams. So it's... You know, it's just another one of those guys from the 2012 draft. Uh, You obviously have Griffin Reinhardt. You have Neil Yakupov. Sorry, you have Neil Yakupov. And then you have Riley and Ryan Murray. One of those things are not like the other. <laughs> One of those players are good. Two of them, two of them. Murray's like, meh. Man, he's I'd not argue. Riley. No, he's not Morgan Riley, but he's a top four guy. Like, he's a three or four. Um, But I guess to just kind of wrap this trade up, Again, makes sense for both teams. You know, I, I, I look at the Minnesota Wild, and I was kind of bringing this up before, is that they're not good enough to make, make a big run. They're not bad enough to finish in the la- in last. They're always sitting around that, oh, uh, just below the wild card spot. Mediocrity. Right. You look at this team, though, you can get – if if I'm Bill Guerin, you know, obviously Miko Koivu's uh, 36. He's believable. So you were saying that Miku Koivu? Um, Miku Koivu. Oh, we're back. It wasn't Miku my, Koivu. It was my fault. 
Uh, Miko Koivu is 36. He's going to be a UFA. I wonder if you do. I think that's the guy you bring back simply because of his his age, his leadership, his presence in the locker room. Legacy. Uh, yeah. Um, I look at their back end. And there's two names that stand out to me in who you can get legitimate uh, assets for in Jonas Brodin and Matt Dumba. Uh, do you think about you think about trading Devin Dubnik? There's just pieces there that I don't know if you can get pieces back for. Obviously, Parise and Suter, you can't get anything for them because I don't know who would take that. Uh, Matt Zuccarello. Don't know if you can get much for that. Victor Rask, what, four, uh, three years, four million. Uh, Eric Stahl has two years, 3.25. That's a guy you can probably get assets for. There's That's not, about it. There's not much. So you can definitely tell that adding Kalen Addison to that has really helped out their coverage, you'd say. Sure. Yeah, because even I don't know how much they have in the minors either. Like, you know, they got big old Federal Gordiev. That's about it. <laughs> a lot of said about, um, is it Nick Bodie, their first round pick? Apparently that was a very nice pick and he'll be good. Yeah, you know, you got, did you say Matthew Bodie? I think it's Matthew Bodie. Yeah, Matthew Bodie. 12th overall, 2019. That's, that's, yep, that's a guy, obviously. The thing is, they got to tear down, and I think what the, what the move is would be tearing down and then working their way back up. But I don't know how you can get rid of certain players like Zuccarello, five, five years, uh, Parise, six years, Suter, six years. I don't know what's going there, right? Yeah. Well, Alex, we will. Um, the Minnesota Wild. Maybe this is. Maybe they they're gonna figure something out here. They've started the trade season at least, and that's always good to see. Even though I think James Duchy had the thought that the moment he saw this trade, a piece of his heart broke, because you know what. The- <laughs> That's less to talk about when it comes to deadline day. You know what they need to do, the uh, the Minnesota Wild? Um, we'll trade everything. No, they need to start from the bottom. Then and now can- they're here. No, 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 no. We're from Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> Two white dudes. Drake. Drake. Sorry, Jesus. Anyway, Alex, I want to talk to you about a certain player. This sure. player is he has 123 points in 127 games played, 28 penalty minutes. Is he good or something? I I'd say he's pretty good. He he at time overshadows Quinton Hughes and Brock Besser. You know, at times, yeah. Jay Miller as well. Yeah. Do you remember in the preseason of this guy's rookie year that clip where he just made this move and made he just made this poor defense and like slide? I'm talking about Elias Pedersen. Oh, who this week? Poor Elias Pedersen. There was a supercut made about how during a Flames game, a game against the Flames, sorry, 
He was just getting bullied. Just blatant non-calls coming his way, Alex. And a lot has been made about this and protecting your stars in the game. So where do you want to start with Elias Pettersson versus the Stripes? I don't... I think there's one place to start. I don't know how much there is to say. I think... I'm, I'm a little off track here, but... We always are. There's not a whole lot to say about Elias Patterson in this case because this situation is so much bigger than Elias Patterson. It's not just Elias Patterson, though, right? We could sit here. We can have a a, a new segment every week just on Connor McDavid. It could be McDavid versus whoever, and it could be a super cut – of some guy slashing his wrist or something, and it's not being called. And after the after th- this particular incident with Elias Pedersen, a lot of people were talking about protecting the stars. And I agree. You know, every sport there's there's stars, right? In basketball, LeBron, uh, Kawhi, whoever, a whole list of players. In baseball, there's the you got a group of players. In hockey, you have a group of players. In soccer, every sport has their list of stars. The fact that this happened to Elias Pettersson and none of it got called is ridiculous. That's just the start. Obviously, I I always complain about the Department of Player Safety, and I tend to give the refs. A benefit of the doubt because you know it, the the game is moving faster than it's ever moved before it is freaking fast but it gets to a point where there are certain calls that don't get called you know we talked about the matt Grizzlick incident uh you know obviously now there's this super cut it's bigger than the stars, though, right? You know, people are uh, complaining about, you know, we got to protect the stars. You got to call the rule book. No, man. It's bigger than the stars. Why is there a rule book? Adam, why is there a rule book? To enforce the rules. To enforce the rules. So why is there a rule book if they're not going to enforce the rules or they're going to enforce the rules sometimes, but, you know, depending on my mood during that day, that's how I'll enforce the rules. Why? What's the point of that? It makes no sense to me that we have a rule book and and listen, this is the perfect example because usually I complain about Toronto and I can imagine it gets annoying for you. I can imagine it gets annoying for a whole lot of people listening saying, oh man, just talk about Toronto. Here, Elias Pettersson. Do I love the Vancouver Canucks? No, I don't love the Vancouver Canucks, but they're a team in the league. I enjoy watching hockey. You have to protect your players, not just your stars. The whole point of the rule book is that you need to enforce the rules. Why have a rule book? Why don't we just say, screw it, throw away the rule book? Because no one's calling anything. And you know what? Let's go back to game two in the Boston series, where for some reason, everyone, like someone's getting punched in the face uh, when the after the whistle's blown, but that's not a penalty. 
it makes no sense to me why we don't follow the rule book. It is a question I I think that we probably ask ourselves every single time we end up doing the show. For sure. And For sure. Am, am, am I sick of talking about the refs and player safety and all this kind of stuff? Yeah, I am. Yes. And I, I do get annoyed when people say, you know, protect your star. Yeah, you should, obviously. I'm not saying you shouldn't. And, yeah, stars should be held to a higher, you know. They, people should go an extra step for stars because they're who make your, your money. But at the same time, let's look at a guy like, I can't, Robert, let's look at the Robert Bertuzzo stuff with the Nashville player who I cannot remember his name. Victor Arvidsson. Victor Arvidsson. Victor Arvidsson isn't a superstar in this game. He's not the biggest star on Nashville. But look what happened to him. Basically, no repercussions for Robert Bertuzzo. No, he got, hey, hey, he got three games. Three games, and Buddy was out for, what, four to six weeks? Yeah. But like, that's, a, that's a different issue, though. That's a Department of Player Safety issue. But it's still, it still falls into the realm of, like, the, into the, you know, you're right. But it, I think it's it's also the same. Like it all fits together of just like right. We look at the league and just laugh at them because they just, it doesn't feel like they know what they're doing so often. Oh, I mean, for sure. Player safety, <clears throat> refereeing, growing the game. We didn't talk about the Olympics today, but just that whole thing of of oh, the marketing of the Olympic, like just all that stupid stuff and how they don't seem to realize going to the Olympics will help grow the game. It's so stupid is the NHL in the grand scheme of things. And we've praised guys like Gary Bettman before, but at the same time, there's just so much to criticize them about. For sure. Listen, just because I credit, just because we criticize them doesn't mean we don't like what they've done. And, and, and I guess, with the Olympics, the thing with the Olympics, though, is that, and, and I know we're going off track here, but just quickly, the thing with the Olympics is that I guess for the NHL, it's more than just growing the game. There's a bit, there's like an actual business sense there where, you know, the insurance, the accommodations, if the, the IHF or the IOC, whoever has to pay, whoever's going to pay for it, if they don't pay for it, the NHL has to pay for all of it. That's a whole lot of money to just to pay, right? Because you know, you all the Canadians are uh, NHL players. All of the U.S. are NHL players. Um, I'd assume most of Sweden, Finland, Russia are going to be NHL players. Oh well, Russia. Uh, Russia is a mix. No, I, I mean like uh, Russia aren't even going to be able to go. Olympic, sorry, Olympic athletes from Russia. Um. <laughs> If that's, I don't know what they're called anymore. Um, but there, there's a different, there's a, we've talked about it before, right? Like there, it's a whole different issue. Um, but back to the referees is, you know, it seems like it's a constant issue and it's bigger than the, it's bigger than the referees too, right? You know, you look at uh, Dan Carcillo and all the stuff he does, all the stuff that he does is so related back to this, back to the missed calls and stuff like that. It's it's ridiculous that we still have to talk about it. It's ridiculous. 
I, I I don't understand why we have like we should just play the game with no referees. They don't. It seems like they're missing half the calls. Like I I don't understand. Well, Alex, I think that's a good indicator that we should move on here to our last little bit of the show. There's the Habs. There's the Leafs. They played on Saturday. And I do yeah. want to talk about that, but I really do think there are some bigger stories to do with both teams, really. But first, I guess let's get it out of the way, Alex. The Habs won on Saturday. Yes, they did. They're 9-4 and four in their last 13 games. And, of course, a lot was made that, of course, the Leafs only managed to get one shot in the third period. That was the big story. Fortunately, that one shot went in. And then, of course, late... Marco Scandella, his first goal as a hab. Let's go, Marco. Slapper gets one past uh, Jack Campbell. He wished he could have it back, but he was spectacular for them. And, of course, in overtime, this is the real contention with people. Tyson Berry's on the ice with Mitchell Marner and Austin Matthews. Goes for a high slap shot, goes off the blocker. Clearly a selfish play. That's a guy hockey night wants to get a goal, wants to get all pumped up in that. Price gets the blocker saved perfectly to Nick Suzuki. Breakaway shot, doesn't quite get it. Rebound goes. Ilya Kovalchuk, of course, scores. Alex, I can say all I want about the win, but the real story here that people have made of it is let's not give the Habs any credit for playing, but let's talk about how the Leafs change their system from shooting to try and play defense, which they aren't good at. Well, you want to talk about the Habs a little bit? I just wish people would give them credit for playing one of their best defensive games of the year. Oh, I, I heard that. I heard people give them credit for that. Really? I didn't feel like yeah. that all this week. Uh, that was probably, well, I, I, I don't remember where I heard it or where I saw it. You know what the thing is with me, though, is probably most of the stuff that I see on Twitter is Leafs related because I, I, I'm sorry, I don't follow a whole lot of stuff yeah, from the Habs. Um, I can't remember where I was li- what I was listening to, but they did say that it was probably one of their best defensive games. Offensively, they were complete poo until the last few minutes when they decided to actually start taking shots. But you know, while we're talking about that game, how far gone is Tyson Berry? Oh man, he's out the door. He is not. There's no chance of resigning. And and while we're talking about Tyson Berry. Can he stop shooting from the point every single time? Please. There are maybe, there's only one or two defensemen, or maybe three three defensemen that come to mind right away where I'm okay with them taking slap shots. One is Shea Weber. Yeah. John Carlson. Correct. Carlson. And probably Jeff Petrie. Because, A, like I watched the half, so I'm going to know those guys. And at the same time, Yes, it jumped. Well, how about PK? PK, well, PK can't score. Well, PK's been really bad this year. So. Okay. And he, he has a really bad time. PK, I remember, has, if you actually look at it, he's he misses the net a lot more than he even gets a shot on. He's not the best at it. But anyway, um, yeah, Tyson Berry. Shots yeah, from the man. point. He, he needs to stop. Especially with the other threats the Leafs have. I'm going to, how about you give it to the 40 goal scorer? Unless you're absolutely screwed in a situation where you can't pass to Matthews, you can't pass to Marner, you, you know, shoot, you can't get it pardon? Shoot low for the rebound. Why are you going hard yeah. on the goalie? I don't understand. 
Like that's what that's- I don't understand. You can't imagine. Like it's so annoying seeing that sometimes. You know, I see him make plays that. Yeah, you know what, man, that seems like a good play to make. Ever since Sheldon Keefe has 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 come in, he's probably played his best hockey as a Leaf because he's he's been allowed to do certain offensive things that he he's good at, but he does stuff like this. And it doesn't work. And then the Leafs get screwed over. Listen, I'm not asking Tyson Berry to play defensive style game. uh, Because, you know, Mike Babcock asked him to do that. And it was obvious from game one that it didn't work. No. I'm asking him to be a little conservative in the amount of slap shots he takes from the point. That's it. Anymore, it didn't work from the beginning. No, it did not work from day one. He was here. No, I mean, in the game itself, they don't really slap shots don't really work anymore. Right, 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 right. It, 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 he has to. I don't know what. Like, listen, someone's going to throw him stupid money on July first, and they're going to get a good player for that. Oh, for sure. As long as they t- like, listen, I. When the Tyson Berry trade happened, I was quite happy. You know, okay, so right-handed defenseman. It didn't work out the way everyone hoped it did. But I can imagine you pair this guy with a legitimate, like a good defensive defenseman. Like you look when he plays with Martin Rinchin, he looks pretty darn good because Martin Rinchin just stays back. So you know right. what the Leafs just have to do to get proper uses out of Tyson Berry is then, right? Playing with Magic Hands Marty. Or Carl Osner. The house will give him to you for nothing. Stop it. Stop it. Get out of here. But no, yeah, hell. Why about my boy Marty? Get out of here. No, after like we've had discussions about the Leafs defense. You know, once Riley comes back, this this defense looks a little bit different. Do they still need to make a move potentially? Um we'll see what happens at that point. But yeah. Like, I don't want to see Tyson Berry taking no more slap shots from the point. So what happened last night? Because I saw at one point the Coyotes had a lead. People weren't happy about it. But then I see Toronto end up winning, capping them with the game winner too. Yeah, so I'm going to be honest with you. I had a midterm this morning, so I did not. I watched the last 10 minutes of the third period, and I watched the overtime. Um, So... I only caught the last 10 minutes. It, it was uh, interesting. It, it was you smart, know what the, the problem with Pardon? It was smart of you to put school first, by the way. Yeah, of course. Of course. You know what the problem... I don't know what the hell is going on right now. It's like the third periods are a curse for this team. And have been for... And it's been like three years. You know, the first year with Matthews and Marner... I Neeland, all of them together. There was that issue where they couldn't close out games. Then uh, year two, it wasn't that big of an issue. Uh, last year came up again, but kind of fixed it. This year, issue at the beginning of the year, Sheldon Keith played in, played great for a certain period of time. And now it is just, I don't know. Recurring issue. Well, I, I, it, how do you fix it? Because it's, it, it's more than just the maturity and the development of the players. No, that's exactly what it is. 
That's exactly what it is. Three years? Like since their rookie year? You, because they've never had an issue with getting into the playoffs. Year one? Okay. Year one, I understand. Development. No expectation to. No expect. I didn't expect them to make the playoffs. Um, then there was expectation. But we already knew from January onwards that we were going to play Boston both times. Yeah. Now, again, like, I don't know what has to be done. And we've had this discussion about this whole killer instinct thing. Again, it comes back to that conversation. It comes back that the team needs killer instinct. It's all about the details. It's all about the details. It's all about the, it's all about the details, right? That's, that's what I tell my kids. You know, uh, yeah. It's all about the details. Can we go back to the air? Uh, or we're still on the Arizona game. Sorry. Um, that's what this team's missing. The details. Anthony Stewart. Yes. Anthony Stewart. Um, can we talk about? I got this quote from Rick Tockett uh, sure. from Mark Masters. Mark Masters. Did you happen to see the gold? There was goaltender interference last night. I saw a gif of it once. Okay. I it was goal. Was it goaltender interference? Again, I only saw it the once, but from what I saw in that, that what I remember, I think it was the right call. It okay. was interference. So this is Rick Tockett on goalie interference call. I always thought it had to be egregious. You can ask 10 people right now, I, and I don't know what you're going to get, which I agree with. That's still an issue, right? Obviously, we talk about – we that was a big discussion last year. Uh, hasn't been much of a talk – much talked about this year, but I, it seems like it's still a bit of an issue. This is the part of the quote that gets me a little pissed off because both of us have had discussions about this. It's Toronto's call in Toronto, right? So it's their call, so they made the call. It is what it is. Yeah. How many times have we talked about that That it's irrelevant that they're in Toronto? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? That's when you want to make, make a noise, yeah. Like, you're just trying to cause a kerfuffle here. We talk, we've talked about before, right? Um... Like, I'm sorry, calls don't go Toronto's way a lot. No, they don't. I, 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 it's just the reality. Like, we brought up the number about the suspension. The last time a player got suspended against the Leafs was like eight years ago or seven. So, and I can guarantee you there are probably a few times where there should have been. Just so, uh, one. One little nice thing I want to talk about, Alex, because you're getting hot, and I want to make, I want you to be happy here. Pierre Engvall, who 14 points in, 30, in 35 games he's played. Guy probably goes, could have scored a nice little, maybe 40 points if he gets hot. A really, really nice depth player. Yeah, an example of the guys who Toronto have in the wings. And another example of what the Leafs need to do to be successful is find these young players, develop them well, and give them cheap contracts. So Pierre Engvall... It's a $1.25 million extension with the Leafs. That's two no. years. Yeah, two, two years at, two, uh, two years at 1.25. As the AAV, right? Y yeah. Uh, I, as an outsider looking in, really, really like it. Yeah, I mean, I have no problem with this deal. I, since Engvall's been up, Engvall has been up, 
You know, Angle was called up. I don't think a lot of Leaf fans, obviously, you had the insiders. Like, you know, you, you heard Ian Tullock talk about Pierre Engvall. You heard uh, Mike Stevens talk about Pierre Engvall. The guys who cover the Marlies all talk about this guy. But I don't think uh, normal, we'll call them normal Leaf fans, had a whole lot to think about Pierre Engvall. Uh, I don't think many people thought he was going to be someone who stayed up. And I think he surprised a lot of people. But I think the new organization knew what they had. He stole Trevor Moore's job, I'd say. Honestly, he might have. Um, another good thing that, listen, I got a couple of good things. Do you know who's back on the ice? Um, would it be the soup liker Russian man? It Ilya would Mikhail? be. Ilya Mikhaev is back on the ice, and I saw him taking shots on Twitter this morning. Well, that's nice. Yeah, that would, that's a great addition that the team, obviously, it'd be great to have. You know, he played spectacular uh, considering he's, it was his first season in the NHL. Um, do you know who's been really good, though? Uh, John Tavares? No. New addition, Jack Campbell. Oh, yeah, he has. He he has five of a possible six points in his first three games. He's better than Hutchinson. Michael Hutchinson has nine points all season. All season. Oh, that's bad. All season. All that's, season. That's bad, man. There's a couple things that I have to say Dubis did not do a good job with the defense and the backup goalie. You said he didn't do a good job with the defense? Well, the Tyson Berry, the Tyson Berry deal did not work out the way everyone thought it was going to be. Not the, de and I'd argue he's not the defenseman he needed. We needed, sorry, the team needed. Okay. Right. You, you, this team needed a defensive defenseman or some type of defensive defenseman to play with Morgan Riley. Obviously, we didn't know what we had in Justin Hall because he was scratched 71 times. Right? Like, uh, we didn't know if Sandine was going to play this year. Uh, Dermot still needed to take that step, and I'd argue he's just burning money at this point. But Muzzin? Muz yes, Muzzin's a great. I'm listen. He did not listen. He he. The left side is, I think, spectacular. Uh, Riley, Muzzin, Sandine, Dermot. It's the right side that has issues. You know, yeah, Lilligren uh, has been playing okay. Uh, he's been playing good, more better than okay. He's played uh, four games though, hasn't he? Yeah, he's played four games. You know, it's a small sample size. Not entirely sure what the plan is with him. You know, Cody Cece's out. I hope Cody Cece's plays last game. Uh, Morgan Riley's coming back soon. Has a doctor's appointment at the end of the week. Right? So the defense is still in and out. But Michael Hutchinson is 4-9-1 this year. Has he been sent down officially yet? Or is it is it Freddie is still kind of getting ready to come back? So they've kept Hutchinson. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the case. Freddie's still on IR. But oh, for how much longer will Hutchinson... That's, he should be happy because then he'll be not be paying escrow when he goes down. Yeah, I don't think Hutchinson is playing another game for this team. 
Oh, for sure not. Uh, well, anyway, Alex, I think to close out... Wait, let's talk about Montreal. Yeah, and I really think the big thing to talk about here is... I, I, Alex, I've been telling you that they're not going to make the playoffs. I've been saying it. I've been saying it. Yeah. But in my heart of hearts, I, I made a mistake, Alex. Tell me. Remember how I told you that I kept hoping Tampa would do well, thinking I would jinx them and they wouldn't make the playoffs? Yeah, but you they they are currently on an eight-game win streak. Correct. And Andre Vasilevsky hasn't lost a regulation game ever. Um, yeah. Alex, I was telling you the Habs wouldn't make the playoffs, but <laughs> I turned into a fan again, and they made me believe. Carey Price has been Carey Price again, but then guess what happens? Tell me. Okay, so there's been so many different things about Shea Weber. First of all, Bob McKenzie said that it wasn't looking good. And then Claude Julien said, okay, he's not a hockey god. Don't listen to him. Then, God, this is so annoying when you're when everything goes to hell for your Twitter account because it just messes with everything. So then earlier today, Nick Kiprios of Sportsnet, or formerly of Sportsnet, sorry, I miss him, and the guy who originally broke the P.K. Subban trade, came out today and said, Sources say Shea Weber injury has the season likely over in his future in question. Told injury is related to foot that was surgically repaired in 2018. While waiting for swelling to alleviate and further confirmation, surgery seemed unavoidable going into the week. But then Claude Julian came out and said that, this is from Paul Wilson, in response to comments regarding Shea Weber's health status, as mentioned by head coach Claude Julian, the Habs should be able to produce an, um, an update by the end of the week, and there's going to be no more comments about it. So, from what I understand, is that first of all, the Habs have been saying, listen, dickheads, we don't actually know anything yet. Because if they knew this, they would make the announcement by now. The Habs have been very <coughs> vocal. Well... I have here from Darren Dreger that uh, Weber's meeting with a specialist in Wisconsin now. Yes. So, I guess we'll find out soon. I, 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 I like Kipper, but it feels like he's jumping the gun. Because now everyone has suddenly... This is one... Oh, I just saw this tweet. I thought this was hilarious. Uh, let me just try and find it again. This is from Scott Matla at Scott Matla. So if Winnipeg, if Winnipeg, if Weber's injury is as bad as Kiprio says, Montreal basically has Nashville over a barrel. Yeah. Bergevin can easily call them up, ask for whether he wants for whatever he wants, or Nashville is stuck with a gigantic, gigantic dead cap for his perceivable future. So nothing has been actually confirmed. He's only meeting with a specialist today. So that means Weber doesn't actually know himself what is happening until today. But sources are saying that this is already his future is in question. And people are already jumping about that his career is done and that the Habs are about to completely screw over the Nashville Predators. Well, here's the thing. So I have Caprios's tweet up here. Um, and... He says that he was told that the injury is related to the foot that was surgically repaired in 2018. Yeah. So from <clears throat> from that, sorry, from that, that alone, you know, if he has to get surgery, 
I'd assume that it doesn't make sense for him to come back this season. Oh, of course we, not. And, you know, we talk about all of these players with foot injuries and how their skating just isn't the same. I can imagine if he has to get a second surgery it, it on that exact on that same foot for the same injury. I can't imagine it looks good uh, for his future because you know you think of how old is he? Thirty what? Thirty four. Right. That's and in terms of in terms of hockey in terms of hockey, thirty four is old. You know, one that one extra injury. Doesn't look good. Listen, I, I just I want comfort. All I'm noticing is so Elliot Freeman also added something on Thirty One Thoughts, and what he said was it was prepare, hope for the best, expect the worst. I think. So what I'm seeing, I see him say that. I see Dragger only mention the with the you know these in Wisconsin, probably visiting Cole Caulfield, and I'm just I'm just thinking like. I find it interesting that all the other guys aren't saying anything explicit except for Kiprios, who I don't want to be that guy, but has been a bit out of it. Is like isn't even with a major broadcast, and like beside the Weber thing, and it was a big, big thing. He hasn't been around. And if Dreger is saying that Weber is only meeting the specialist today, if I am wrong and Kiprios is right, I will give him full credit. But I. I'm not ready to freak out and say, oh, my God, Shea Weber's career is over. But I don't think that's what he's saying either. That's what uh, his future in question. That is a big line to me. His future in question. Yeah, because it's his uh, the same foot again. I can't imagine if he has to get surgery on the same foot for a, the same injury that it's good for his future. I can't imagine that both that both of us sitting here if he does have in fact have to get surgery on that same foot again because of the same injury that if even if he does come back let's say the chances that he comes back are high i can't imagine that his it's he's going to look the same sure his shot whatever i'm what has to do with his leg his skating sure let's talk about skating i can't imagine the skating looks the Shea same what we're expected to miss four to six weeks with an ankle sprain who One said that from the montreal canadians <laughs> Perfect. Now we can talk about that. Oh, Kipper! Good job, Kipper! But does he have to get surgery or not? Um, I will read it to you right now. I have uh, it up. It doesn't say anything. Okay. Well, because his ankle was so it says the evaluation took place after the swelling in his ankle. There. See now everything we just said is completely out the door. So. Again, if it is, in fact, a high, what is it, uh, ankle sprain? That's a completely different question. Yeah, uh, god damn it, Kipper. You got me all fired up for nothing. Okay, okay so um, if it's not the foot. Anyway, anyway, so let's look at it like this. Yeah. Um, I don't think the Habs are going to be able to do it without Shea Weber. And I, I think if this isn't assigned to Mark Pergevin that he needs to actually sit down and think to sell, I don't know. Like, Okay, like, but what is he going to sell? It, he has to. Okay, sorry, let me be specific here. Um, Tomas Tatar. Yeah. Amongst, okay. like, 
music. It has to be Tatar. How many does I I I know and I, and I'm just being the devil's advocate here. I think he should sell Tatar too. I think he should sell Petrie too. But here is the thing. I'm going based off of what you've told me, based off of what I've read. He's mm. not going to mortgage the future. Uh, mm-hmm. He th- we're going to be better next year. Those yeah. are the two quotes I continue to hear time and time again. So why would he trade someone like Tatar, who's been pretty darn good, uh, who has a contract that goes into next year? Why okay. would he do that? Well, I think he should, but you tell me why. So I, I, I've started to go back on Jeff Petrie only because, and I will answer your Tatar question, I swear, because I look at the caliber of player Jeff Petrie is, and I think, like, it, 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 Josh Brook and Kale Fleury aren't going to be that kind of player, if ever, for a good couple of years. So, and I think they would benefit for having him as a stopgap or even a mentor. I have a question. Yes. What? So, are we assuming Shea? Like, you're still going to have Shea Weber. So, you're going to have Shea Weber, pair one, on the right side. Jeff Petrie, pair two, on the right side. Pair three. It's going to be. You have Josh Brook. You have Kale Flurry. Um, who's I'm missing a name here. Like Josh Burke, Noah Yulson, or like if you go there, we go Noah Yulson. So what? What you do there? Now you have three. You have three names alone. You have Yulson, you have Brooke, and you have Kale Flurry, who are all right-handed defensive. A, I I don't think Josh Brooke is going to be have next year. I think he still needs more time in Laval. Noah Yulson question mark stuff like his headaches and that still are a big problem and then everyone else is a lefty so and don't forget kale flurry has only just turned 21 and you don't want to put that young of a guy in a position but what are you trying to do at this point are you trying to bottom out like does it isn't that the thing we've been talking about again let me let me put this put it like this if it was me i dare down the, the team two years ago but the way i think bergeron looks at it and I'll say no. The Jeff Petrie is my belief of what should happen, but and to answer your original Tatar question, I think now looking at what Jason Zucker got you, I think now is really a chance. And if and now if you're the Habs, you pray to God that Chris Kreider signs with the Rangers, or even with that, you look at a team who tries and gets Kreider. You see whatever he gets, and you can get even more because of the additional year. I just now looking at like a guy like Jason Addison. Sorry. Um, Jason Zucker. No, uh, sorry. The 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 prospects name. Kalen Addison. Kalen Addison. Sorry. Look at that guy, who's a, a defenseman of the future, right? I think we've both done reading like that. He's described as a an undersized guy who can probably work a lot on the power play. So he's an offensive defenseman. Where the game is going, a first and a throw in anyway. So even just a first and a great prospect, one who was good enough to make the World Juniors. And is the type of player that people are going to want in this league for years to come. And I think the Habs could still get... I, I, I would hope that Mark Bergevin sees that and thinks, okay, I can get something here. You get a second for Kovalchuk too. You probably get a couple fifths or sixths for guys like Nick Cousins and Nick Thompson. Now that Jake Evans has proved he's good enough to play in the league. And but uh, again, the, the big piece, uh, like, like you're asking here, is, is Tomas Tatar. Yes. For sure. 
Yeah, but <clears throat> what I'm asking you is based on, and I know we talked about Petrie. It's the same reason he's not going to trade Petrie. It's okay. You know, we're not going to mortgage the future. Why would we sell Thomas Tatar? Uh, we're going to be better next year. But what happens when you're not better next year? Well, then, then they trade him, but then you lose the value of the additional year. Right. You still get a good return for him, but it's just not as good as what it, what it was, really. Right. Which, hey, no, we can argue about what's right or wrong. I think like we both agree where the Habs should have taken, what direction Bergman should have taken the team a few years back. But... Yeah, that that's what I I would see Bergevin doing is then if you, next year God forbid this team is not competitive, which God help me and the rest of this fan base if they aren't. But I I, I I but let's be honest here. They're gonna hope that they're gonna keep being competitive and they're gonna have Shea Weber back for the playoffs. That's how I can see them thinking about this. And God, I I just I really hope this is a sign that Shea Weber. So I, I really hope this Weber injury tells Bergevin that like the season is not going anywhere. For the love of God, sell off. Because our own first-round pick is not going to be good enough. Because, again, the Habs are not going to be a bottom team. So you might as well try and get another first. And God forbid, maybe you try and go like balls to the wall with like some guy who's like falling out of favor in the draft. Or like that boomer bust pick, you know? Like a, like a ride and a Nick Merkley, sorry. Like something like that. I, I don't know. But that's, that's where I am, Alex. That makes sense. But again, it, it is the the X factor here is the specimen known as Mark Bergman. Exactly. The question mark, the the whatever. Um Yeah, god damn it. Let's read some replies quickly from the Shea Weber tweet. Just in time to play golf in April? Hmm? Um all this for a sprained ankle? boy Kipper, hope you get fired. Oh, yeah. oh that's mean. Because he already did. Um, apparently, this is from Elliot Friedman 10 minutes ago. Doug Armstrong, Bowmeister undergoing a battery of tests to determine what happened, but outcome looks positive. So that's really good. Ooh, but from St. Vera Valley, apparently they needed a defibrillator to revive him last night. So... But also, Sphinx Terra Valley also says that he's doing very well, still undergoing tests to determine what exactly happened with his cardiac arrest. Oh, boy. So that is, um... By the way, tweet of the day goes to Bob McKenzie to um, Pierre Lebrun about the extension. No money left for the rest of us. Probably got lockout protection and structure that makes it impossible to be bought out. Only one... <laughs> That's such a shot at Sportsnet. Only one question, Pierre. Any salary, any salary retained? Congrats, mon ami. <laughs> I love it. Oh, boy. Um, I'm quickly... Jeremy Lozen has been called up by the Bruins. Doesn't he still have to serve another game? Like uh, maybe? I think so. Well... Alex, I think that's it for today. I'm looking at the... Yeah, I think that's that's everything we got. Um, listeners, if you enjoyed this episode... Because I, I don't know about you, Alex. I really like today's episode. Yeah. I like every episode. Good. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, you did enjoy this episode. What you should do is you should definitely go and like it if you're watching it on YouTube. 
on the channel or this clip specifically. I don't know. Um, however this goes, check out the show's YouTube channel and Instagram page, of course. Subscribe, follow, that kind of stuff. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, of course, follow, like, share, whatever you can do on that app. Why don't you do it? Why not, Alex? Why aren't they doing it? Why not? You, right now listening, why aren't you doing it? Leave a review if you can do that as well on iTunes or the podcast app, whatever they're calling it. What an uncreative name for an app, too. Podcast. But anyway, guys, I think, listeners, I think that's going to be everything from us today, Alex. Do you have any last words? Nope. No. no. It's because you don't love the listeners like I do. No, I do love the listeners. No, you don't. But anyway, that's why we give them quality content. Quality. A new standard, a new standard of sports journalism. A new standard in sports podcasting. <laughs> God, we, yo, can we put that? We need to put. I'm writing that down. We need to put that somewhere in the show, Alex. Like if we next time we when we decide to like switch up the logo. We got to put that on the thing. A new standard. Anyway, listeners, we should probably let you go. This is an interest. A new standard in sports podcasting. We should put that at the beginning of next step. I'm going to. That's going to be part of the intro now. Okay. All right. Bye.